Welcome to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Miss Redacted. And I'm Mrs. Frazzled. Every week we explore the teacher exodus to find out what, if anything, could get these educators back in the classroom. We've all had our moments where we thought, what the hell am I doing here? From burnout to bureaucracy to soul-sucking stressors and creative dead ends. From recognizing when it was time to go to navigating feelings of guilt and regret afterwards, we're here to cut out the gaslighting and get real about what it means to leave teaching. We've got insights from former teachers from all over the country who have seen it all. So get ready to be disturbed. Join us on Teacher Quit talk to laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That's what he said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. This is the Russian Roulette mini-sode. We're going to be going over uh, Michael Isakoff and David Korn's new book, Russian Roulette. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I, I'm excited about this. This book is really good. So I'm AG. I'm your anonymous host, as always. And with me is Jaleesa. Hey, what's up? Jordan Coburn. Hey, everyone. All right, let's get right into it. All right, chapter five. Uh, this is the new version of Watergate mm-hmm. is the name of this chapter. And uh, I know, Jaleesa, you, you read really in-depth into this chapter. And yeah. I, I want to hand this over to you so that you can, you can talk about it a little bit. Yeah, thank you. So this chapter it uh, basically covers the first time the FBI reached out to the DNC. And so, I have to tell you my notes say that this guy Hawkins that you're about to talk yeah. about, it's I wrote mid-level IT guy, but for some reason I just read it as medieval IT guy. I read it as that too. <laughs> yeah. And now this sounds like another Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know the frozen caveman lawyer? Or yeah. are you guys too young for that? Oh no, no I've seen that concept. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> frozen caveman now we have medieval IT guy. <laughs> I dig it. I dig that it. Sounds like it's going to be amazing. That's way better than the other one. Honestly, yes. This is the sketch we need to do, if nothing else. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> have you so, tried unplugging it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. No, 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 no. Don't apologize. <laughs> this yeah, this whole chapter <laughs> is about FBI agent Hawkins, Hawkins and uh, the call that he received from the uh, or the call that he made to the DNC in a started in September 2015. So uh, he called to tell them they'd been hacked, basically. Yes. <laughs> and the guy he told, he was a mid-level IT guy, but the IT guy didn't really believe him. He's got a crazy name, too. What was his name? The the guy that was... The mid-level uh, IT guy. Yared Tamini was the guy that the FBI agent Hawkins yeah, called. Yeah, mid-level IT guy. Yeah. Like, he didn't like know anything. a guy you know in, a, in your office. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Could have just got the job, basically. So he was the one that uh, was called, and and Hawkins told him to check the logs and look for a virus called the Dukes, because that was the one that they were uh, aware of that the Russians might have a connection to. So yeah, from the APT guys, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so it's so hilarious too, because if you got a call, think about this: you work for the government. You get a call that says, I work for the FBI. I need you to look at your logs. You're it gonna sounds be like, fake. You're going to be like, get the F out of here. Yeah, and yeah. Why are you calling me? <laughs> exactly. How do you prove that? You know? And why are you calling me a mid-level IT dude? Like, <laughs> I don't He was super wary It was him. like a prank to him. Yeah. yeah he was like, what? It didn't sound real. You're not real. But it he was. He thought it was like somebody trying to get info. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so Hawken, he was an APT specialist. And basically, the APTs hack in and leave malware that lets them keep bleeding data. So they were kind of leeching off of the DMC. And all of these botched early communications would be seen as a missed opportunity to thwart the Russian attack. So later, the DNC was actually thought of... uh, 
or would think that the FBI didn't try hard enough to thwart these attacks. Right. They thought it was on purpose. Yeah. Right. So basically, the guy calls the mid-level IT guy, mm-hmm. and he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Don't even worry. I'm not listening to you. I'm not looking. I'm the mid-level guy. And the right. guy's like mm-hmm. trying to call him back. So this was a, a messed up. That was dumb. They should have gone to the top, first of yeah. all. The FBI should have gone to the top. They should have gone to Mook or Elias Because they eventually did, but they should have started there. Yeah. But they didn't. They called this one guy. And... and you're right, and in exactly the APT that what that's what it does. They hack in and they leave a little thing in there, and just it bleeds all the your mm-hmm. uh, bleeds all your data. Jesus. And this, now that we look back on it, the fact that they called this mid level guy and nobody really got in touch with anybody big until six months later. It doesn't I think, really make any sense. It seems it's, lazy. It's why did you not? Pay attention, and mm-hmm. and 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 I don't blame the DNC for thinking that the FBI did this on purpose, right? Because I because mean, because the FBI was the one who like did the whole Hillary email thing, and exactly, and she mm-hmm. thought that they were against her, so they, they at the time it yeah, made sense, like yeah. they were in Trump's pocket. Steele, mm-hmm. Christopher Steele thought that for a while too. Yeah, remember when he tried to tell him about the stuff, and, and, and they were like, no, they wouldn't announce it, and instead yeah. they announced the Hillary stuff, mm-hmm. and, and Steele and was, was like, he yeah. thought the FBI was in Trump's pocket. Exactly, they had no way of knowing at the time. So in March 2016, Podesta got an email from what he thought was Google saying his account was hacked and needed to change his password and to click and log to change it. So they gave him a link. And this is where I want to really quote the book because this was the craziest passage to me. So basically... It says on Saturday, March 19th, 2016, at 4.34 a.m., John Podesta, the Hillary Clinton campaign chairman, received what looked like an email from Google and his personal Gmail account. And this is what the, the email said. Hi, John. Someone just used your password to try to sign into your Google account. And the email also said it was from the Gmail team. So it noted that the attempted intrusion had come from an IP address in Ukraine. So the FBI noted that. And the email email went on to say, Google stopped this sign-in attempt. You should change your password immediately. And the Gmail team, or quote the Gmail team, included a link to a site where Podesta could make the recommended password change. I've gotten a lot of these where they're Me like, uh, somebody breached you. Click here to put to yeah. change your exactly. thing. Exactly. Another thing that happens too is Twitter verification. They'll be yeah. like, do you want a blue check mark next to your name? Click here. Oh. And then you click there. You put in your Twitter mm-hmm. uh, handle and your password, and then they ask for a credit card and they asked for all this stuff and I'm like no yeah yeah that morning Podesta forwarded the email to the chief of staff Sarah Latham who then sent it along to Charles DeLevin a young IT staffer at the Clinton campaign so at 9.54 a.m. that morning DeLevin replied this is a legitimate email. John needs to change his password immediately and ensure that two-factor authentication is turned on his account. It is absolutely imperative that this is done ASAP. So the thing is, the Lavin later asserted to colleagues that he had committed a typo. So he actually meant to write that this is not a legitimate email. <laughs> and not everyone in the Clinton campaign actually believed him, but he does have an alibi. So in his argument, in his and favor, what's interesting too is when he when he sent the this is a legitimate email. Yeah, uh, even though he's supposed to say this is not, he put the correct link there. Yeah, Podesta didn't click exactly. that link. Exactly, he clicked the original the, link, the Russian one. And that's the Russian so that's friend. yeah, that's the alibi. Basically, is it Delavin, Devlin? I can't. I I forget. He's a really important figure, so I want to get his name right. But I would say Delavin. He he did have a pretty good argument. The fact that he sent the correct link, as you said, AG, makes it so that his intentions were well, but it turns out the the guy just happened, Podesta just happened to fall for the original link. Mm-hmm. It could have happened to anyone. He just happened to be the lead guy of the the Clinton campaign. So I guess so. Uh, that's just that's pretty basic like yeah. cybersecurity Don't training. Do yeah, but I mean, yeah. but if you get an email back from your person saying it's authentic, yeah, yeah. that typo is a big deal. It, it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and but if they say click here, I would have clicked there and exactly. not on the original yeah. one. But that's where it seems like that's where the simple mistake <laughs> came into play. He's like, okay, I did follow up with the the right person and he gave me a link back but sometimes threads like and emails can get really confusing like i guess yeah it's, but i think what's interesting is that this this google fish was sent to nineteen thousand people mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, and, and forty of them actually were like fell for it. And Podesta is one of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so that kind of sucks because they may have gotten a lot of low level people, but Podesta is not low level in any sense. So he was well, the big brain fish. Might be <laughs> yeah, you know, I want to feel bad for him because I would have fell for it. But you're right, Jordan. I'm not in his position. <laughs> I should yeah. be trained a lot better if I ever got in that position. Yeah. Well, and then the FBI contacted Mook. Oh yeah, that's right. They started they go they started going up the chain, mm-hmm. right? The campaign. Yeah data manager finally for hrc and handed it off to mark elias he's the hrc lawyer exactly and the fbi requested documents from the dnc but the dnc didn't trust the fbi so no because they, that they issue. thought because of the whole botched communications in the first place that the fbi was in the pocket right of and it made sense yes but the fbi tried to assure them that the documents would remain classified and wouldn't be subject to foia or is it foia 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 requests yeah, yeah. freedom of information act requests mm-hmm. meaning like that. yeah because basically if if i want to get any information on on anything the government does i can put in a foia request right uh, under the freedom of information act yeah but in le- if the fbi uh is seizing documents or getting documents as part of evidence of an ongoing investigation they you, don't want that to have access yeah you are not allowed to have right, right you can't those can't be turned over from a foia request until the investigation is closed exactly and, and even then they might be redacted or classified yeah so he wanted to let them know that it wouldn't be subject to that uh so but the dnc had their own cyber problem so that's bernie, what was crazy yeah, yeah bernie had an issue so his staffers stumbled upon clinton's voter rolls in the dnc and so as a result the dnc blocked bernie from accessing the rolls at all including his own and then bernie sued and the dnc let him back in and then bernie dropped the suit so during all of that the original mid-level IT guy Tamin was that yeah. the guy yeah he found the original intrusion <laughs> so, yeah, totally by accident yeah so it turns out wow. someone locked into the system using his credentials and, and while he was sleeping that's how he, they got away with it he didn't even know it was happening well at that's all. how he found out yeah it, oh, okay. he was so, looking at the logs and he saw that somebody was logged in at 3 in the morning and he, and he was like there I we was go. asleep yeah oh, so, he, so all this whole time he was looking for something different mm-hmm. when he should have been looking his for own logs anyone's own logins when they yeah. weren't awake exactly <laughs> that they were actually russia was pretty clever about this yeah they're very very sophisticated mm-hmm. and a lady in the dnc said uh this is the new watergate so where the chapter title comes from this is how they do it now you don't need a crowbar anymore you i know? love that quote yeah mm-hmm. that's good this is the new watergate this is how they do it now you don't need a crowbar anymore mm-hmm. that's Ooh, gives it's me the true, chills. Yeah. It's chilling. Yeah. And it, what's interesting about that lady is when she worked in the office, they, when she worked for the DNC back during the, the Nixon uh, administration, yeah. she kept that file cabinet that was broken into and i think she like had it have it has it next to her in her office Whoa. Like, like it's a thing. she could sell it on ebay man i'd buy it oh yeah like, no man yeah. i would keep the shit out of that yeah, absolutely can you keep the shit out of something yeah, oh, yes, you can. yeah. you can you can the shit out of anything keep it af i would say well this is where CrowdStrike comes in right exactly. and they were in the minority report that you know that we just yep. went over so they in the were the firm that the yeah. dnc hired to pretty much counter this whole thing and they immediately found the intruders it was ap APT-28 and APT-29, also known as Fancy Bear and Cozy Bear. Ooh. Yeah. Shout out to episode 17. (laughs) Yeah. We talk about that in a couple episodes, actually. Mm-hmm. So Cozy Bear had been leeching off the DNC since 2015, and Fancy Bear got there in 26. They just got to the party. <laughs> just, 2016, yeah, yeah. They were, yeah, they're new. <laughs> fancy Bear's new. They're fancy, but they're new. Oh, yeah. And uh, there was no evidence that these two were in cahoots, but it's all two problematic. separate bears. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> that had nothing to. They weren't no working. cahoots. They're just two bears. They're just all bears. Is yeah. It, is it because isn't there pictures of Putin riding a bear? They're oh, shirtless. Yeah. That, yes. That's that has to be why, right? Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Who else? Just what other president? Yeah. Trolls. Is just bears. a very troll-induced name. <laughs> Troll-inspired. Yeah. So among the stolen files was the entire Oppo research file on Trump. So they had the dirt, and there was no telling what they were going to do with it. That that part freaks me out. Um, so Hillary had built, well, not Hillary herself, but the Hillary's campaign had built this entire oppo research file on Trump. Mm-hmm. All the dirt on Trump that you could ever want and, right. or need. And the Russians had it. That means they immediately. That yeah. That means immediately that the Russians, uh, that that he's vulnerable. 
mm-hmm. to blackmail by the Russians. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I was just thinking about them having the upper hand, but you're right. Just on an international well, like, level. Well, like yeah. the whole thing that the Russians want to do is, is compromise. That's their big tactic, mm-hmm. right? So that's why they take, that's why they offer you uh, prostitutes and put you in a Ritz Carlton where they mm-hmm. have cameras. So Make they you can, vulnerable. So they yes. can get compromise on you mm-hmm. and then go, I'm going to show everyone this tape if you don't do what I say. Mm-hmm. So compromise is a very, very common thing in Russia. It's like their number one thing yeah. uh, to get on people. And now they have the oppo, f- the oppo research file, opposition research file exactly. on Trump that they got from the, from the DNC. Mm-hmm. Hillary did all the work for him. They could have <laughs> used that. That could have helped them. Blackmail him. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, that was one way he's compromised. He also owes them probably millions of dollars, but whatever. Yeah. I wouldn't even judge Trump for the PP tape at this point if he just came out with it and just quietly disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if that's the worst, but I doubt it. It's oh, gotta be. Geez. I don't know. I hope so. All right, let's go on to chapter six. Uh, Felix Sater. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, November 2015 is, is where this takes place. It starts up around the time Trump was ahead in the primaries, and he started saying all those awful things. Just the awful. Everything was awful. Yeah. Mexicans are rapists. Rosie O'Donnell is a fat cow. Mm-hmm. Uh, hater fat face. Uh, he was... Somebody... The book says this. Is, this is the best quote on how to ex- describe what he was doing. He was, quote, shrewdly exploiting deep-seated resentments and bigotry, right. unquote. What, that's exactly... How, how it is. And on December 2nd, Horowitz of AP, Associated Press, asked Trump if he knew Sater and Trump, uh, if he knew Sater, uh, and Trump distanced himself. Uh, he's like, boy, I'd have to think about it. He said, I'd even have to think about it because <laughs> he's so eloquent. Even. <laughs> I don't think I know him. Uh, but he was working closely with him, like, right then on that second Trump Tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Cohen, uh, Sater and Cohen and, and Trump, on that second Trump Tower in Moscow, the one that we just learned uh, about in the Minority Report. Right. Mm-hmm. And this book, uh, Trump was privately negotiating with a Russian development firm, and Sater was the go-between. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, this quote is great. Quote, the deal would require approval from the Kremlin. So a candidate was seeking the White House and simultaneously seeking a business venture that could proceed only if the government of a foreign adversary gave it the green light. That's insane. I know. So they kept it a secret because if it got out, his whole America First campaign would be shot to shit, right? Mm -hmm. So the deal went down like this. Uh, Three months earlier in September, Sater called Cohen to start it up. He said the tower would be built by IC Expert. They are now on my fantasy indictment league list, Mm -hmm. and they were in the minority report. Oh, yeah. The tower would be built by IC Expert, a Russian builder with no experience. They've only ever built one apartment building, and it was totally steeped in corruption. (laughs) (laughs) Trump would license it and manage it. Uh, put his name on it, basically. And mm-hmm. he would be paid $400 million up front. Wow. Uh, IC Expert was working to fund the project from VTB Bank. That is a sanctioned Russia bank. Yeah. It is illegal to do that. Wow. And he was a candidate for president working with a sanctioned <laughs> bank. So, and here's the quote from the book, which I love. Quote, so a presidential candidate was cobbling together a deal that could well depend on Russian financing from blacklisted banks linked to Putin's regime. <laughs> Talk about a motive, yep. man. The end. Yeah. Trump wrote a letter of intent to license the project. So the letter exists. Uh, and these reporters, Isakoff and Korn, know about it. So mm-hmm. I'm sure Mueller has it. Right. Um, the head of IC expert would later say he owned it 100%. But it turned out it was owned by three offshore shell companies. Hmm. One headed by a Cypriot lawyer. That's Cyprus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's unclear how the deal started. Like, who started it? Um, but that explains why Trump was kissing Putin's ass in the media oh, the yeah. whole time. He needed his approval for this project. And during this time, uh, Sater sent out some emails to Cohen saying, quote, let's build a Trump Moscow and fix relations between the countries by showing business is more practical than politics, unquote. <laughs> um, and Sater noted in an email to Cohen, quote, I arranged for Ivanka to sit in Putin's favorite chair on a trip to Moscow. I'll get Putin on board and we'll get Donald elected and our boy Trump will be president of the United States and we will engineer it. What? I will get Putin to buy in on this and we will make it happen, unquote. Whoa. And that this week, in the main episode, he walked back those remarks saying, I was exaggerating. 
exaggerating, uh-huh. even though he nailed it. Yeah, well, that I, and the reason that, that he walked that back this week is because it fucking came out in the yeah. book this week. So, yeah, yeah you better. <laughs> so, come January, uh, the permits had not come through. The project was stalling. These guys suck at life. Um, <laughs> Sater and Cohen wanted to reach out to the Kremlin to like get some help, right? But then they both looked at each other and like realized, womp womp, neither of us actually know anybody in the Kremlin. Right. Sad face. Wow. <laughs> so what's hilarious is Cohen started blindly calling journalists to see if they knew how to get a hold of anyone in the Kremlin. That's one way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> one of them was Maggie Haberman. She's she's like a, a New York Times reporter reporting on Trump forever. Okay. Called up Maggie Haberman saying, hey, do you know how you know anybody in the Kremlin? <laughs> Jesus, like a drunken desperate <laughs> yeah. And interesting that they would call Maggie Haberman, a known Trump expert, to get Kremlin contacts. Right. Like that's yeah. that says a million things right there. Uh Cohen even like, who who knows the Kremlin? Someone who reports on Trump? Yeah. Like, mm. oh that's yeah, okay. Uh, Cohen even sent a plea for help using the general help email account on the Kremlin's public website. Like Whoa. when you go to <laughs> Kremlin dot Kremlin dot Rush R U, I'm sure I don't know what it is. Yeah. Kremlin.com and you pay, like <laughs> contact us and there's like a little form to fill out. That's what he sent an email like help Help us. We want to make a tower. Their marketing is on point, but their intelligence oh, is hilarious. Like, like we're going to make this whole thing. I don't know anybody. Do you know anybody? No, let's let's call information. <laughs> Email we'll just submit random page. forms. Yeah. Hi, I'm Harry Littman, host of the Talking Feds podcast, a weekly roundtable that brings together prominent figures from government, law and journalism for a dynamic discussion of the most important topics of the day. Most news commentary is delivered in 90-second sound bites that just scratch the surface of a new development. Not talking feds. Each Monday, I'm joined by a slate of feds' favorites and new voices to break down the headlines and give the insider's view of what's going on in Washington and beyond. We dig deep, but keep it fun. Plus sidebars detailing important legal concepts read by your favorite celebrities, such as Robert De Niro explaining whether the president can pardon himself, and Carol King explaining whether members of Congress can be disqualified from higher office. And music by Philip Glass. Find Talking Feds wherever you get your podcasts, and don't worry. As long as you need answers, the Feds will keep talking. So, Renato, do you still have your own podcast? Yeah, it's complicated. What's so complicated about a podcast? That's the name of the podcast, remember? Oh, will you still be exploring topics that help us understand the week's news? You bet, but we'll have a new name because we're going to be working together to explore complicated issues that are dominating the news. Working together? Yeah, you're hosting it with me, remember? Oh, right. Wait, does that mean our podcast is going to have a steam mop segment? Let's not get carried away. But we'll discuss hot new legal topics, so check out our new episode coming soon to everywhere you get podcasts as well as YouTube. So here's a little bit about Seder, okay? He was born in <laughs> Russia. He grew up in Brighton Beach. Now we need to watch Brighton Beach memoirs. Oh, yeah. uh, he stabbed a guy in the face in 1991 with the broken stem of a margarita glass, and he did a year in jail. I just love that. That's my favorite thing about that this guy. so rude. I think that's my favorite thing about him. <laughs> Who knows? The guy, maybe he earned it. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. But when he got out, he set up this crazy pump and dump, pump and dump stock scheme with Russian mobsters uh, and, and members of the mafia. To the tune of $40 million, you guys. $40 million stock scam. And in 1998, he cut a deal with the feds um, and helped them roll up the others from the stock scheme. He basically, you know, sold out. He became a stool pigeon. He informed on all of them. By by 2002, he was working for Bayrock. That's a Kazakh uh, firm uh, partnered with him for this real estate company. Their office was in Trump Tower, Manhattan. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Bayrock did a ton of deals with Trump, including Trump Soho, um, South Houston, which was later sued by owners saying they were defrauded by Trump and his kids. Uh, basically, oh. what they were doing is they were saying, like, uh, we have 80% of the building sold. And it was um, these sales were with fake Russian, like fake Americans that were at real Russians that mm-hmm. were trying to, like, 
lie and say because it's easier to sell uh, pieces of property inside a building if most of the building is almost sold out. Yeah, But if yeah. it's empty and you're the first person in, mm-hmm. nobody wants it. Exactly. So they, they lied and said they're almost sold out. Yeah. And they used these fake Americans that were real Russians that were fronting the money to do this. That You can't do that. You can't. That's defrauding uh, <laughs> people. That's very bad. Uh, and... Bayrock tried to do the first Trump Tower in Moscow, the first one, but they, you know, were stymied by Obama's sanctions because they invaded Crimea. Uh, Russia did. They annexed, tried to annex Crimea. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump said, quote, I wouldn't even really know what he looked like, unquote, <laughs> when asked about Felix Sater. But you've done all these fucking deals with mm-hmm. him. He lived in your building. He, you tried to do first Trump Tower with him. You tried to do second Trump Tower with him in Moscow. Like, but you wouldn't recognize him. I wouldn't even know what he looks like. Yeah, I don't know him. So he's not. distancing himself. Then there's Sergey Milian. In 2009, Milian's tiny real estate company signed a deal with the Trumps to help meet Russian industrial real estate needs. Okay. Hmm. And Trump sold a ton of condos to Russians through this company. A 2017 Reuters review of his real estate showed 63 individual Russians bought over a $98 million in Trump properties in Florida alone, Whoa. and many more that were bought by shell companies. Most of the money did not end up with Trump. He got a commission. So that's smells huh. like laundry to me. Yeah. <laughs> smells like laundry. <laughs> Dirty laundry. But not yes. the fresh, delicious gain slash bounce laundry. No, no. Gains if you want to sponsor us. Yeah. Gain, bounce. We'll yeah, we'll eat you. it like Halo Top. Mm. <laughs> Hashtag Tide Pods. <laughs> Nice. I'm too old for Tide Pods. <laughs> in 2011, Millions' uh, little company did a cultural exchange program. Ooh, but it was soon invested. They were trying to get executives to come over there, and some would come over here, and they would swap oh, them I out see. like a student exchange program, but for grown-ups. <laughs> uh, but it, it turned out um, that it was in being investigated by the FBI because he was recruiting spies. What? <laughs> yeah, the FBI chased them back to Russia, and Trump and later would deny any business ties to Milian at all. Of course. Isn't that hilarious? It is hilarious and frustrating that that works for, like, the time being. Seriously. Just saying. <laughs> one big Trump deal, one big huge Trump deal was uh, Rebolovlev. This mm-hmm. is the guy whose yes. name I could never say. Riboflavin. Riboflavin. <laughs> Robocop. Love, love, love. Uh, love, love, love. He, <laughs> he spent a year in jail in 1990 for murder. By 2008... <laughs> I'm going to stop making fun of his name. <laughs> <laughs> but by 2008, Forbes said he was worth $12.5 billion. Wow. So, oligarch. Mm-hmm. Um, he paid Trump $95 million for his $45 million shitty mansion. Trump pocketed the $50 million. Ah, yes. Wait a minute. He <laughs> turned around and sold it. Yeah. This is interesting. Laundry. So that's chapter six, you guys. Who did he kill? Do you know? I don't know who he killed. Jesus. He murdered somebody and maybe maybe chaz. I think one day you could be a person that just has a person they just killed and no yeah. one knows exactly and then you have just a one of the things career. on your timeline and, yeah. and then you get out of jail and then you're a billionaire like yeah <laughs> must be nice happen? just like ah uh, moving on <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i like that looking it's, forward it's russian privilege is what it is <laughs> yes all right chapter seven he's been a russian stooge for 15 years this is all manafort this chapter is manafort and mm. we've talked about this to death already mm-hmm. uh, in in our <clears throat> in our regular show but to go through what they cover in the book, Manafort worked for Ford, Bush, and Dole, but then he took a hiatus to work for the Ukraine for a long time, but he mm-hmm. wanted back into American politics. So he pitched Trump via Tom Barak, this friend of his. Mm-hmm. He said he would take no salary, which is weird. Yep. He had an apartment already in Trump Tower, and he said that he'd avoided D.C. insiders since 2005, so you can trust me. <laughs> Uh, even though he's a K Street lobbyist, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the 2000s, he opened a lobbying firm with a guy named Rick Davis. And Manafort pitched Deripaska at that time for $10 million hmm. to help him work on his stuff. Okay. So a, a, what ha- this backfired because there was a fax found on John McCain's fax machine from Deripaska thanking Manafort and Davis for setting up meetings with McCain and two other GOP senators <laughs> in Davos, Switzerland. Wow. Yeah. So McCain's aides were, like, aghast because Deripaska had been sanctioned here by then, mm-hmm. um, which we learned from a Washington Post report written by a guy named Glenn Simpson. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He ended up finding Fusion GPS later. Yep. Finding. Steals founding. Homie. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's Glenn Simpson. He was a reporter for WAPO. He reported on this a lot. Nice. That's cool. 
uh, Davis uh, had to sever ties from Manafort as because he, he was McCain's aide, and McCain said, "We're not having that fucking guy in our 2008 campaign." <laughs> yeah, because McCain's not an idiot. Instead, we'll have Sarah Palin. <laughs> oh, good point. What the fuck was that? She can only see Russia, though. She doesn't actually conspire with them. Good so. point. Good point. So then, Deripaska sent Manafort uh, to the Ukraine to rehabilitate the image of a guy named Yanukovych. He's like, "I'm gonna, you know, I've given you 10 million dollars. I need you to go make this guy look better than he is because he's fat." ugly and he's a dick (laughs) so yanukovych was basically the guy who was a putin the putin install for the ukraine right he's a pro-putin pro-russian separatist uh, wanted to you know be the president of the ukraine yanukovych his opposition yushchenko beat him in that election but Mm. then he ended up being poisoned wow it's a thing for them then manafort set up an office in kiev staffed with 40 people including ted devine who later became bernie sanders chief campaign strategist in 2016 yeah another staffer was a guy named kolimnik that Bernie connection freaks me out. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know what that's about. Um, they they dressed up Yanukovych. They bought him some nice shoes, suits. He's, <laughs> he's like a fixer-upper. Like, have you ever dated a guy where you're like, I can fix this guy? I can guy. change him. <laughs> well, they fixed him up a little bit. He's still a dick on the inside. <laughs> they always um, are. <laughs> and they figured out which hot-button issues they could use to manipulate the electorate. So hmm. does that sound familiar? Yes. So Manafort pitched him to the United States too, Yanukovych. They brought him over in 2006 to meet Dick Cheney, one of the loveliest men ever. Oh God, a walking devil. But they didn't <sighs> register as a foreign agent, and this pissed off uh, Yanukovych's political uh, opponents. Uh, person that makes sense yeah because yeah. you know they were like we have to register why don't you register right. yanukovych won uh that election mm. um with the help of basically just because of paul manafort yeah um and he set forth then to jail his opponent timoshenko and manafort even hired an american law firm to write a report supporting her conviction saying wow. she should remain in jail ridiculous he lobbied rohrabacher and three united kingdom politicians uh to do this without registering with fara the the foreign agency mm-hmm. registry act uh foreign agent registries act registry act i think yeah where you have to register that you're lobbying for a foreign <laughs> yes agent, basically. Yeah. And in 2011, Timoshenko filed a civil lawsuit in New York saying Manafort colluded with a Ukrainian gas magnate named Fertosh, <laughs> who laundered hundreds of millions of ill-gotten dollars through shell companies in Panama, Cyprus, and Europe. Uh, and he did two real estate ventures in New York. Huh. Brad Zaxon helped with those real estate deals, and he used to work for Trump's dad. So, hmm, hmm. I put them both on the fantasy indictment list. Oh, Yeah. Uh, the suit was dismissed, uh, unfortunately, because the racketeering took place mostly outside of the United States, mostly outside of the jurisdiction of the court. So they, right. couldn't, they couldn't really do anything about it. Uh, Manafort's relations with Deripaska started going shitty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a decade earlier, Deripaska set up a firm called Surf Horizon. These names <laughs> for these shell companies sound like like paint color names from yeah. Home Depot. Or like, like generators. Like they just plug like in. I wanna make San like, Diego startups. I wanna see I wanna see like a bunch of paint colors and then take these take these names Surf Horizon and Cambridge Analytica and like oh. these are color names like I nail can make a painting based names. on this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just see it like that's how they Home Depot names their paint chips. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so yeah, so for Tosh, yeah, so they helped with this, but this, anyway, his, it started going south because a decade earlier he set up, uh, Deripaska set up Surf Horizon, right? I feel like that's an orange color. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and he put $7.5 million into management fees. He, he gave that to Manafort and Gates. Hmm. And they set up a deal to buy a Ukrainian telecom company, like a cable company, for $21 million. And then Manafort, Manafort and Gates disappeared and the deal never went through. Mm-hmm. And then Deripaska sued Manafort. Uh, in the Cayman Islands, and then again in Atlanta, <laughs> Georgia. And I, you remember when we were talking about this, I was like, what did they do? How did he steal their money? What happened? It, this was it. They tried to do this cable deal, and then Manafort and Gates took his money and ran. Wow. Hardcore. And, uh, yeah, like, that's ballsy. Uh, <laughs> that is. <laughs> woo. <laughs> it's like some Goodfellas shit. Uh, yeah. Totally. Like, we're out. And... Uh, 
Anyway, so they, he sued him. Deripaska sued Manafort to get his money back twice and created multiple cutout entities in Cyprus and set the deal up as a series of loans to avoid taxes. That's mm-hmm. that's how Manafort didn't have to pay taxes on, on this $21 million that he stole from a Russian. Right. So Manafort sought to use his position in the Trump campaign now to pay back Deripaska because he felt like he was about to get polonium tea. <laughs> so in a series At of... Trader Joe's. <laughs> very different. It's totally not that kind of tea <laughs> but in a series of emails to kalimnik uh he uh, manafort said quote i'm sure you've shown our friends my media coverage right mm. and kalimnik says absolutely every article uh and then he says quote how do we use to get whole has ovd operations seen ovd stands for oleg deripaska oh okay so manafort owed about $16 million to Deripaska via shell companies. And when Washington Post sent out a list of questions to the Trump campaign, and I didn't know they did this, but they sent a list list of questions to the Trump campaign about Manafort's relationships with Deripaska, Manafort instructed Hope Hicks to disregard the request. Uh, Manafort, using his campaign position to fix his position with Putin, uh, with the Putin oligarch, had to remain a secret. So, wow. Yeah, told Hope her to just ignore Hicks. it. And she did. Yeah, and she she did. And then she uh, testified, and then she quit. Yeah. <laughs> and well, hopefully she's no that, Sally Yates, you know. but yeah, I guess she <laughs> did the right thing in the end. Yeah, yeah she Sally did. Sally Yates got a good 10 days in, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. At least as acting attorney general, right? Was she acting attorney general? Yeah, that's what she did. Mm-hmm. She was a badass. She'll be in the sexy justice calendar. Oh, yes. Very nice. There was a, one of our fans was like, you better put Sally Yates in. It was almost threatening. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, the enthusiasm. I like it. Yeah, yeah. We do have very enthusiastic fans. We do. We? Yeah, it's freaking awesome. I know. I love it. I, I, I'm so, like, daily humbled. Oh, yes. By our fans. Yep. If that sounded like when I feel sad, I was I just... peeing in a cup. I wasn't. I was just pouring, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> pouring wine. Yeah, we need a wine sponsor sponsor as soon as possible. Oh, We're losing yes. so much money. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Fit Vine, come through. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Chapter eight. How the fuck did he get on the list? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a, little, a cute little hilarious chapter about Trump's basically his foreign policy advisor team. Right. And I, I just want to go over this. I think it's hilarious. So Trump's team of foreign policy advisors was a joke early on. None of them wanted anything to do. With with us said uh john kelly (laughs) like when he was talking about trying to find legitimate foreign policy advisors so there was a radio talk show host named sam clovis he managed to put together like a ragtag list of slapdash weirdos (laughs) and uh trump read them off uh to a group of reporters one night uh waleed ferez uh it just sounds like a like that sounds like a cool while these fairies be or no, it sounds all. like a cool fucking like uh, I don't know R and B guy or something. Oh, Waleed Ferris, you know, like Waleed. Yeah, the Waleed part. Yeah, there's a guy named Khalid right Khalid. now. Yeah. yeah, there you go. There's yeah. Khalid. There's Farrell. Uh, uh, what's his name? Ferris Waleed Ferris. Oh, um, are you talking about DJs? I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> Who does the song Happy? Oh, Pharrell oh, Pharrell. Yeah. There you go, Pharrell. So we yeah. have Khalid Pharrell. There we go. I mean, Walid Ferez. Nice. <laughs> Except this guy is a Fox News guy, so fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah, not the same. We have yeah. Joseph Schmitz, a former Pentagon IG and Inspector General. We have Carter Page and George Papadopoulos. Mm-hmm. No one had any experience, any credentials, like <laughs> nothing. Two of them had shady pasts. Ferez uh, was close to a Lebanese warlord that operated hit squads against Shia Muslims and Schmitz was chief counsel to Blackwater. Blackwater is Eric Prince's outfit, the guy who met in the Seychelles with Imbiza. Right. Yeah. Blackwater killed civilians in, in the Iraq war no. and, and had to shut down. They were sued. Wow. They killed uh, Iraqi civilians. Gunned them down. Women and children. It was terrible. Uh, Steve Bannon said, quote, these people are a bunch of clowns. <laughs> Unquote. And regarding Papadopoulos, he said, how the fuck did he get on the list? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's literally what he said. Um, they had their first meeting on March 31st, 2016. We've all seen the photos. Because oh. remember when Trump was trying to say Papadopoulos is a coffee boy? Yeah. But then they show the the meeting, the Instagram picture that Trump posted of Papadopoulos yeah, sitting Sessions at the table. Was there and all that, yeah, yeah, Sessions was there. Clovis was there. J.D. Gordon. Fucking idiot. So... <laughs> 
Um, Papadop, uh, at that meeting said he had recently met with a Maltese professor who could help arrange a meeting between Trump and Putin. That's yeah, Mifsud. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Sessions shot it down, but Trump seemed interested, according to people in the room. <laughs> Papadopoulos went back and met with Mifsud again on April 26th, where, where Mifsud, Mifsud told, told him that he had dirt on Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And then in May, the next month, Papadop got drunk and bragged to Alexander Downer in a London pub. You always have to brag to an Australian because Australians have way better stories than, than anyone else. Seriously, kangaroo you know? fights? Yeah. They really do. Like, mm-hmm. that's not a knife. And so <laughs> he, he bragged to this guy uh, in a London pub saying that uh, the Russians had dirt on Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And, and he didn't think, any, Alexander Downer didn't think of anything of it at the time. Right. Like, well, whatever, this guy's drunk. Mm-hmm. He's bragging because he seems like a braggy guy. <laughs> um, and then Papadop kept emailing Papadop. I just call him Papadop. Yeah. Papadop. I like that. He kept emailing uh, campaign officials over and over again. Manafort forwarded one of his emails to another campaign official saying, quote, Trump is not doing these trips. It should be someone low level in the campaign so as not to send any signal. Oh, James Bond. (laughs) I guess. But that's just a little weird. So Papadop's meetings were not only... uh, we're not the only outreach attempts, though, to get Putin and Trump together. It wasn't just Papadop. So here's some other ones. There's Torshin and Butina at the NRA. I, I've added them to the fantasy indictment league, too. Mm-hmm. They kept popping up at Republican fundraisers, NRA meetings, CPACs, Freedom Fest, uh, right? National <laughs> Prayer Breakfasts, stuff like that. And during Freedom Fest, Freedom Fest in July 2015, Butina asked Trump about sanctions. And he said, oh, we don't need them, basically. We don't need sanctions anymore. Bannon would watch these tapes later and ask, why was she there? Why did Trump call on her? Why did his answer seem rehearsed? Hmm. Priebus also thought it was odd, mole. (laughs) And he thought it was strange that she seemed to be everywhere. Like, who is she? In the spring of 2016, Torshin and Butina met with Trump at the NRA convention. The meeting was set up by Paul Erickson, a conservative activist who emailed Rick Dearborn, a senior Trump campaign staffer, saying, Kremlin connection. (laughs) Yeah. Jordan, we've talked about this a few times. Quote, Putin is deadly serious about building a good relationship with Trump. Deadly serious. Deadly. Oh, God. Oh, not subtle at all. He wants to extend an invitation to Trump to visit him in the Kremlin before the election. Uh, The Kremlin believes that the only... Uh, possibility of true reset in this relationship would be with a new Republican White House. Ever um, since Hillary compared Putin to Hitler, all senior Russian leaders consider her beyond redemption. Oh, they're offended. <laughs> that is a harsh. That is well, harsh. Yeah, but if the Russians I'm don't want you it, to be president, it's totally, yeah, totally deserved. If the Russians don't want you to be president, it seems that they can make you not be president. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's proven the point. Even if he, if she didn't really have facts before to prove that he was like a Hitler type, he's yeah, only verified. It's, it's in the book the specific thing that he did that was re- that what uh, why it was in response to a act that he did. That I mean, she poisoning was. your opponents, jailing them. Oh well, that. he yeah. she she basically called him a fraud, and she caused all the protests. I guess yeah, in Russia, the hundreds of thousands, eight hundred thousand people showed up to protest. He blamed mm. her and she's a woman so and then that. and then yep. now he holds a grunge, grudge against her because she did that yeah, yeah like pussy right i think he's threatened by the fact that these women are kicking his ass yeah so he wishes he like, was hitler you don't, don't think he's a little misogynist Putin? i don't oh he's totally misogynist oh. but i don't think he gives a shit about pussy right oh fair enough well he handled them in yeah, his uh, opinion quite <laughs> yeah um i think they're amazing i love those ladies. oh yeah totally. now around this same time flynn was giving his speech in moscow remember when he gave his speech mm-hmm. uh, about how we should be friends and he sat next to Putin at dinner. <laughs> Across from them was Jill Stein. Oh, she must have been right. pissed. Well, at what? no, there's like so? she was there. Yeah, no. I guess supporting it. it. When you said we? that, yeah, when you said that thing about Sanders having some people that were tied to the Kremlin, now that my first thought was, and so did Jill Stein. So you think she was there? Like, for why else him? would she be there? This is an RT dinner. It makes it makes me wonder: Are all of the people who tried to take down Hillary Clinton? No, they're all like, uh, yeah. Yeah. What's the word? Helped out by Russia. Yeah. I would really, really like to believe no. Hmm. But I would like to, but I've worked personally with Bernie Sanders. Uh, I, I, I think he's got a lot of integrity, but I mean, there are things that you and I as citizens just can't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That's so Um, true. 
So also in April 2016, 11 million files from Mossack Fonseca were hacked and given to a German newspaper. These were known as the Panama Papers. Mm-hmm. We covered these in an uh-huh. early episode. Yeah. Um, I think you did that, Julissa, right? I yeah. did, yeah. Episode three or something. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't go back and listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so embarrassed by our sound quality back That's then. Fair. Like, That's we've gotten fair. so good. I don't yeah. know if you guys know this, but we did never, I've never, none of us had ever podcasted until this. None of us had ever done anything. We learned it all right then when the indictments went down because we oh, wanted yeah. to do this for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And so at first it was uh, <laughs> on the sound, but I think we've gotten to a point where I think, you know, we've got our sound down yeah. we've, and it, it's only going to st- keep getting better. And yeah. it, really, it's all f- because of our contributors. And I have to thank Hell them so yeah. true. like all the time Yes, because okay, we're going to break even soon. I love you. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Just it's, it's, I, I want to bring you like the highest quality content like every week with like sound that doesn't suck so yes mm-hmm. i hope that we're doing that for you if you have any seriously emails at hello at muller she wrote if you mm-hmm. have any like little uh tips, tips and tricks yeah. we would love to hear it because we we've never done this we're bringing we the mics have a back and a front yeah <laughs> dude our our podcast got immensely better when we stopped talking into the backs of microphones <laughs> it, did. it really did way less confusing for jaleesa when yes. she was editing yeah. it oh yeah. my gosh it yeah. helps that the microphone says back on mm-hmm. It. Yeah, it does. Okay. But who's looking at that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> See, we're comedians. We have handheld mics. We're not used to these yeah, fancy exactly. condenser mics. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Panama Papers, earlier episode. Putin blamed it on Obama, of course, in the mm-hmm. United States. But that didn't set off any alarms in the White House. It never does. It did never seem to. Um, I uh, And somebody asked in, in the main episode, like, what... What's going on with the Obama administration? Didn't this happen under his watch? Yeah, a lot of it did. Um, I don't now. When Trump comes on and says, uh, you know, Obama should have taken care of this. It's his fault. You were the one we should have been watching and weren't. So don't let's not mm-hmm. blame us for not catching you. You know, fucking your, my brother. Whatever yeah, it is, you yeah. know, it's just it's absolutely insane. His his blaming Obama. He just loves to blame Obama for everything. Um, anyway, uh, all right. So so you know, like I said, that did not set any alarms off uh, in the Obama White House, and neither did an intelligence report of an intercepted conversation that indicated the GRU was going to strike Hillary for stoking the 2011 protests. Mm-hmm. This was also largely ignored. This is like the fifth thing we missed. Yeah. Now in May, Mook was briefed about the DNC hack, and he said to himself. <laughs> Oh, shit. I wonder what they got. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is what I would think, too. Like, have you ever walked up to your car and the window's broken out? Yeah. Come home and somebody's broken into your house and you're like, shit, what did they get? Did they get the laptop? Yeah. And you're looking around for what they got and you can't remember what was in there in the first place. And you're Mm -hmm. like, I'll find out three months later when I'm like, where's my thing? Where's my PP tape? Yeah, where's my (laughs) P tape? I really needed that. (laughs) Well, he was he he was upset that he wasn't told sooner and he should have been like, why did Hawkins, why did the FBI call 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 that mid-level guy? I don't even know. So he began wondering if Trump was involved um, and he had some clues. Right. Mm -hmm. Trump hired a bunch of Russian friendly advisors. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trump's repeated sympathetic comments about Putin and Russia. That's a thing. Uh, Trump's first porn, foreign porn, porn. Trump's first first porn star happened with uh, Trump's first. (laughs) <laughs> Fuck, I can't even say it. Trump's first foreign policy speech on April 27th, vowing to improve Russia relations in attendance with Sergei Kislyak, right? right? right. Uh, Mook and the other senior campaign advisors began thinking there was a sinister connection between Trump and the Russians, and mm-hmm. rightfully so. They thought about planting phony information in their, you know, in their uh, emails to see if Trump would use it in the campaign. Right. And then prove that would prove Trump was in league with the Russians. He told Mark Elias, the campaign lawyer, about this, and they decided this is a bad idea. <laughs> because what if we put salacious info in there and it's stolen and it gets out and nobody believes us about, right? <laughs> about it, that we that we planted it. No, we put that in there to see if he would steal it. Like, everyone would be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, so Mook decided to implement a new cybersecurity procedure, but he had no idea that podesta's emails were already hacked the russians were already inside oh my gosh that's that's a movie plot for sure it's insane you guys all right thanks for listening i i enjoy this book so much i really recommend you guys pick it up um i'm loving reading it so anyway uh this is Mueller, she wrote. Join us next time for the next installment of Russian Roulette, the book report, I guess. <laughs> I want to make a diorama. I like it, yeah. That would be the scariest diorama ever. Yeah, 
there'd be poisonings and all sorts of polo- <laughs> like tea party, like little Russian tea party. Oh, tea party. We could have Rick Perry dancing. Ooh. I don't even know. Very nice. I don't know. It's creepy dolls. Yeah, <laughs> definitely scary. Anyway, I'm AG. I'm Jaleesa Johnson. I'm Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote. Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And, wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone, this is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. What do you mean for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please, send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Teese, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. <laughs> Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that oh, right? Sorry. What we're no, drinking? It's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. Right it's just... Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis' first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.